0: Hello, everyone. This is a pre podcast message from Bennett. And I can already tell what you're thinking. If I'm giving a pre podcast message, there's probably bad news. And I can't tell you that you're wrong. There's bad news. So, uh, Daniel and I just got finished recording an episode. And this was another walkabout episode on my part. So I was walking around outside. Unbeknownst to me, and I know. Uh, Believe me, I'm more annoyed than you are. Last time, there was an audio issue where the gain... It was like this auto-gain feature, so the volume was all over the place, and it was a headache. Well, this time, I turned that feature off, and I had the gain constant. And I tested it, and it worked, and it was great. And we started the podcast, but now there was some kind of weird popping noise continually happening. It was like lightning was striking the microphone continuously... My audio on my end is just garbage. Total garbage. You can't even really hear my voice. So, needless to say, this was very frustrating for me. Um, But it was a great podcast, I thought, anyway. Uh, Daniel's audio recorded it on his mic fine, so we have his half. My half is garbage. I don't want to throw this episode out totally, so I'm going to do something kind of weird with this one. uh, And, you know, maybe it can be its own... Funny thing that I hope never happens again. But here's what I'm going to do to try to salvage this. Uh, I'm going to try to listen to Daniel's half of the audio and re record my half of the audio, which I know is preposterous because it's not, it kind of defeats the whole point of third space, which is to be in the same, you know, this new conversational space where conversation is happening fluidly, and here I am not even talking to a person live, it's not an ideal solution. That's the best I got, unless you want to hear lightning strikes for an hour and 45 minutes, which I don't think you do. So uh, since I just had the conversation, I remember how it went. You know, it is me. I am giving my reaction. I'm remembering what we talked about a little bit. It's going to be strange, but uh, you'll you, I hope that it's still entertaining. This is the only thing I can think of to, to salvage the episode. So not ideal, We'll have to do another episode uh, in another couple of weeks, and um, maybe I'll ditch the walkabout podcast idea and stick with the mic that I know works. Really annoyed about it. Apologize that this one's got to be a strange podcast, but maybe the silver lining is that uh, it can be entertaining in its own way, and you can laugh at me trying to act as myself, and I'm, I'm no actor, but if I can pull off any role, it's the role of me. So, without further ado, I will let Daniel and m- some weird future version of me kick it off.
1: It's the podcast. No, wait.
0: Stop. Hold on. Stop. I thought we went through I this. I just,
1: well, I, you did stop me last time. Um, I, I, You know, I just think I haven't given you the perfect one yet.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I assume this time you prepared.
1: You made some preparation. You know what? Going to give a stellar performance. You know what? It, maybe, maybe you have a point, and I should prepare a little more. So, so th- when I do lead with a little jingle, you just believe in me, and it'll be really good. But, but I, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna tell you this one's gonna be good. But well, I started I, with like it's the podcast instead of Third Space, and that's so true. yeah, you know, could have gone somewhere. My yeah. my thought was that eventually it will go somewhere. We'll land like organically on a jingle, and it'll just be something we use. But, you know, no such luck so far.
0: Well, I do believe in you. I have faith that you'll do it in the future. Um, So (laughs) one day we'll get there. Uh, I mean, our closing jingle is already just about perfect. So uh, we've got that one down at the very least.
1: Um. (laughs) We need something other than hello. Good day, sir. How are you? How are you? Uh, Hello. Salutations, you know. I do have two two random small things on my mind. They're disparate things; they have nothing to do with each other. Okay. Um, and I just wanted to ask you: Have you been getting an inordinate amount of um, spam calls or texts, mm. or you know, for the because of the approaching election? Presumably, I mean, I don't answer them, but the texts and even like surveys and things that I'm getting are just off the charts. I'm talking seven or eight a day of f- spam phone calls, uh, text, maybe once a day on average, because, you know, I will, not every day, but some days I'll get two or three. Right. And I was just wondering if you've had this experience.
0: Um, yeah, I have been getting uh, a few more texts and calls than normal. Um, although I will say it's been mostly, uh, it was back more in September, towards the end of September and beginning of October. Um, I was getting more uh, calls, spam calls, um and then a few texts political texts the
1: spam calls you know i i never answer those i never answer them too why do you think people have different approaches some will like maybe play a prank on them some will call like and then say put me on the do not call list is that even a Thing. It feels like it's an urban legend. Like, they have to. If you tell... It's like if you ask a cop <laughs> if they're a cop, they have to say yes. You know, these sorts of things that are like, is this real or is this just something people say? It's real. The do not, the call, do list. not call list. do not call
0: Yeah, it's a you real know, you... thing. It's a real thing and... uh But I think it's like a federal... It just reminds me of Michael
1: Scott's bankruptcy. I declare bankruptcy. I'm sure you can get placed on a do not call list, but it probably involves something more than telling the the marketer or whoever's calling you. Like, put me on that list right now. Right now I tell (laughs) you. Yeah, you don't tell the marketer, that's for sure. I Um, declare do not call. (laughs) Weird.
0: No. No, no, you don't tell the marketer. Uh, there's like a federal do not call list, uh, and and they handle it. I don't know how it how it works, but I think it's your landline actually that they do. The federal uh the federal do not call list is for landlines, not not cell phones.
1: Oh God, your landline? I mean, give me a break. That's so antiquated. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. I don't. Even, I don't know how you do it with cell phones. But,
1: but I think you're right. Like. And then I mean, it's not like
0: the people who you know call and spam you, the robots or whoever they are. It's not like they're obeying some kind of uh, do not call list. It's kind of like that same problem, uh, the same problem that you have with laws and and crime. You know, it doesn't matter what laws you put in place. Uh, right. The uh, the criminals, they're still gonna they're still gonna break the laws. You you got to deal with that with these uh, spam callers. They're not gonna. They're not going to abide by some
1: do not call list, particularly when it's an innocuous. Like, but what? Okay, what's the end result here? Let's play this out. So you call people, they answer, and then what is this to get their information? Say, I need your credit card information, and well, one in ten thousand does it. But hey, at the end of the day, you're getting four or five, you know, credit card information right. or social security numbers or whatever. Like, what's happening with these calls?
0: Yeah, I imagine that. Um, Some of it is, uh, it's phishing, it's phishing attacks, uh, people trying to get information. But a lot of times when I get the calls, it's just dead silence. It's silence on the other end and it's nothing. And so like, I don't understand what, what's happening when there's just dead silence on the other end of the call. Uh, like what's going on there? (laughs) Although I will tell you, I have a theory about that. I don't really understand exactly what's going on, so I could be totally wrong about this. But you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, sometimes you'll get a spam call, and the number will be a number that that you recognize. Or at the very least, it'll be from your area code or something. But it's a number that you recognize, and I wonder if what's what's happening when you get the dead silence calls. If there's not some kind of technical voodoo going on where where they're trying to like they call you and then when you answer they they use whatever connection is going on there and they use that connection to then spam someone else with with your number so that I don't know so that they think that it's you or something I don't I don't know if that's really what's going on or not
1: okay so I've never had it say like Bennett is calling and it not be you but I've had it be a number that say resembles mine and is changed by one or two or just reversed so they're maybe they they've done some Data on you're more likely to answer it if it looks recognizable right like oh that looks familiar to me maybe i should answer it so. well
0: yeah, that's why i was saying maybe there's some kind of technical voodoo going on where i don't know they're like they're spoofing your number like they have to call you first to like grab your number somehow and then they use that to spoof when they call someone else oh
1: and that's how they do it that's interesting I suspect it's just they're trying to sell live numbers to some uh-huh. other agency so they're data mining and so if you answer then it you're recognized as being a real phone number and they yeah. just say okay.
0: Yeah, there's probably some I mean there's probably some utility in making a database. Yeah um and storing that stuff so and
1: that's also the confusing part who who, the susceptible like audience for that or target audience would be you know i I assume old people or misinformed people i don't know but it just makes me sad for the people falling for these (laughs) or the uh there's a popular one about how you're on your there's a warrant out for your arrest or or the um yeah fbi i mean there's some intense ones out there yeah I I
0: I, I, i always get the ones that are uh car warranties they try to get you a car warranty or selling some kind of cruise trip or something there's there's the only ones i've ever heard uh and only because they leave a voicemail even though even though they're robots oh
1: and also the fbi like i've gotten some intense ones about the fbi it has a warrant out for your arrest yeah that sort of stuff or at least i i know people who have i don't answer them anymore so i don't i just don't know okay. um you know my girlfriend has the approach of answering and like telling, "Do not, uh, do not call." I suspect <laughs> that might make it worse. I just don't. I mean, none of it works, and so it's well, more yeah. about like what, what, what gives you the most peace of mind? If it makes you feel good to sort of scold them, then you know, go right ahead. But like, yeah. for me, it's just I don't, right. I don't know. I just get annoyed and click ignore. So.
0: Well, I mean, most of the time for me, they're just robots. Uh, I mean, do you ever? Do you ever get actual people spam calling you? I mean, it's just robots for me. Um,
1: I think that there's, I I think it's mix, a mixed bag. I do think the real people will, will really be on wow. the other end. But I don't, I don't know enough. I haven't answered in long enough to, to have any data for you.
0: Mm, yeah. So. When they're in person, when it's a real person, it's usually like a phishing attack, phishing pH. Um, and they're trying to get your information. Uh, so, like, my mom gets these calls from Microsoft a lot of times, and they tell her to log into her computer yeah. and, and share her access and that kind of thing.
1: I've uh, even heard eerie things. They try to get you to say yes, the word yes. Like, you know, is this Daniel? Really? Yes. And now they have a recording of your voice saying yes, and they can probably do things with that. It's like, okay, what? I don't know if that... That seems far-fetched and yeah. silly to me, but that just is the sort of... I feel like urban legends come out of these things or, or like... <laughs> like everything i'm saying is like we don't know what the do not call list is really like yes it exists in some form and yeah there might be an example of a recording of someone saying yes out of context but i don't know if it all belongs right into these calls so
0: right
1: yeah i, I don't
0: i don't know um,
1: want to know my other thought yeah yeah what what is it <laughs> uh it's just anti wrinkle cream uh, <laughs> like when you should start using it if it's a big like scam or is it just is it different yeah. than regular cream? Like obviously apply. You would want to start using anti wrinkle, anti aging, whatever word you want to call it. You'd want to use it before you started getting a lot of wrinkles. Like I think now, like the time is now, right? Yeah. Um, and I do think I and I I I think it'd be silly to say oh it's completely ineffective, but over thirty years, someone who has and someone who hasn't who lived in a similar place, similar age, mm. and presumably would age similarly, maybe they're brothers or something, would be a good case study but like moisture on the skin some sort of lotion is going to be decent for you know over a long time about cracking and stuff so but what about anti-wrinkle like f- special formulas is that bs is it is there something to do with like yeah is it yeah. Coll- collagen no that's probably not it <laughs> whatever oh no, yeah but yeah that like, is a it. it is collagen like, that's right so is it what i just like your your scientific take right. on, on this and whether it's largely yeah. exaggerated, which almost certainly, right? But, like, is there some minimal effect over a long time?
0: So. Yeah, so, I mean, actually, you're you're pretty close with what you're saying. Uh, uh, the two things that at least come to my mind when I think about anti-aging... Oh, well, first off, if you hear anti-aging as marketing, it's just BS. <laughs> right. Like, you can't reverse aging, you can't stop aging. So, you're, you're going to be aging, but... Right, just
1: anti-wrinkle. Yeah,
0: yeah. but, I mean... Once you have the wrinkles, and it's not like you're gonna get any cream to well, get rid of. Well, wrinkle
1: prevention could be a thing, so.
0: Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, there's there there are two things that that, that come to mind, um, you know, as far as what these creams do and why they're actually useful, and and that's the, the first is what you mentioned, moisturizing. So you know you put this moisturizer on your skin uh, to keeps it from getting dry and cracked, um, and that cracking can cause you know, damage to your skin and maybe scarring. Uh, forms wrinkles down the line you look aged and leathery um, that leathery skin and then um, you know the, the second thing is actually sun protection sunscreen so a lot of um, right uh, a, a lot of this stuff has SPF low level SPF in it to protect your skin from the UV rays and UV rays do actually contribute a lot to, to, to aging in fact that's actually one thing um, a, a difference one reason why women's skin, uh, looks uh, you know even older women's skin can look soft and, and smooth um, you know aside from innate physiological uh, differences between men and women one of the differences is that uh, that, that women wear makeup uh, uh, and yes. makeup usually has you know some sort of UV protection some SPF um, built into it and men don't wear makeup so men you know have more sun exposure and more aging that, that's interesting. Yeah and that's why
1: that's why wearing sunscreen on your face is actually helpful. And I have been using this anti-aging that has a like a 25 SPF in it and it doesn't mm-hmm. smell like sunscreen and it doesn't right. apply like sunscreen so it just feels like a little lotion and I've been and it has a pleasant very light scent and uh just been putting it on. For yeah, your dye makeup. So there you go. Yeah. I'm going to be I'm just turning into, I'm going to, I'm going to Benjamin Button it and be really young the next time you see me. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that's how it works. I think
1: you drink it too, right? And it (laughs) is, I don't really want to shrink is the problem. I like my height or whatever, but Mm. you know, anti-aging has its drawbacks, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I mean, the problem is you anti-age enough and you end up at the place of your birth. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, Well, those are my two thoughts. Uh, Phone calls and and (laughs) anti-aging cream were on my mind. Well, there you go. Those are two two good ones. You know, actually, you
0: stole my thunder. Maybe, uh, maybe I could do anti aging cream for the next uh, Daniel Does Science, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that would have worked out, of course.
1: It would have been funny to ask me. I mean, I really would have said what I said about moisture, and then maybe fumbled over collagen, which is a mystery. And like, I don't what do you get injected into your lips to make yeah. big lips and stuff? Is that also yeah, collagen it's col- injections? Yes, yeah, co- col-
0: Well,
1: it, collagen is a thing. You're thinking. Or Maybe. is that in forehead stuff? Like, what am I? I'm thinking. I'm messing up a word. So yeah,
0: you're thinking. You're thinking Botox. Botox. Yeah, pretty is, much. I think so. That's the one. Botox is the one you get in your head to like stretch your skin. But collagen is like the, uh, con- uh, it's like this stretchy protein,
1: connective tissue thing that makes your skin all stretchy and moldable. Um. And, Why would applying uh, that and like there's stuff in creams and it might be collagen, might be something else, yeah. but it's in these a lot of these anti-aging creams um, that's popular right now. And is that just sort of gimmicky, whatever?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not. Well, it's not like it's mostly just science marketing. People don't know what collagen is, but they know that it sounds good. It sounds sciency. Um, and it, collagen is a thing that keeps your skin stretchy. Uh, so, it, it is related, but it's not like rubbing collagen on yourself uh, is gonna, right. you know, it's not gonna do anything for you. It's not gonna anti age your skin. It's not gonna get rid of your wrinkles. Um, it would be like, uh, like one thing, it would be like um, vitamin C, for example. Uh, like, you get so much vitamin C in your diet normally, and your body can only absorb so much. You just pee out the rest of it. So, you know, these foods that advertise like now nah, with vitamin C, extra vitamin C, you know, that's just marketing stuff because, you know, you
1: eat, eat a bunch of vitamin C and you just pee out the excess. So it's not like. Yeah. So that's why these like multivitamins and stuff are not just a maybe a multivitamin could be worth it. But if you took yeah. a ton of vitamin C because you're feeling unhealthy and or you're feeling a, not just unhealthy, but like you got a little the sniffles or something like that, like you're just creating expensive pee. Basically, you're peeing it all out.
0: Right. At this point, this is where I talk about where I'm on a Walkabout podcast, but since I'm re-recording this, I'm actually not on a Walkabout. And, you know, I make some joke about Walkabout podcast, but now I'll just say, Daniel is dumb. (laughs) And there's nothing he can do about it uh, at this point because we're not talking live to each other. Um, But, you know... At this point, i stopped talking about a
1: walkabout podcast. If this is successful for you, I'm on board because I just, like we've talked about what is third space before and like being able to move for me, it's almost like fidget toys. It's the same idea of like, it occupies enough of my um, energy, I suppose, to allow me to concentrate maximally during a conversation okay. because here, uh, weirdly, you know, I'm sitting, I'm facing a wall, I have very little distractions, but I get, I I. i look for something to occupy my energy. So I fidget and I start picking with my fingernails, things like that. It's just, I want to move. I'm, that's how I'm wired, I guess. So yeah, I want to do a walkabout as well. Yeah,
0: it's really good and it's nice there just sometimes there's some noises, dogs and people and that kind of it, thing.
1: Would someone walking past you, recognize like do, is your microphone, do you have wires and stuff like that oh. or is it like what it look like? What's this guy doing? He's on the phone and he's got like <laughs> wires and stuff. Is that how, yeah, how it looks well, like?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've got my backpack with my big microphone hanging down over my head. The big and... fluffy thing, the big boom <laughs> mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got, um, I've got this TV tray rigged up in front of me with my laptop on it, so that you know I have my notes and everything available. Um, no, actually, no. I've got this little. It's a little portable mic. I just put it in my pocket, and then it's like a lapel, uh, a, a lapel mic that runs up, and you know, I'm wearing like a black hoodie, so it just it blends in and uh so it's pretty discreet i don't think anyone yeah. would i don't think anyone would notice or be looking at me weird so um you could wear that and yeah. it wouldn't be a problem it's not distracting and it keeps your brain active you know while you're talking so. well
1: cool i like it i like the yeah. idea.
0: if you want anyone looks at me weird i can just say i'm doing third
1: space podcast <laughs> maybe you've heard of it yeah <laughs> <laughs> That should be our approach. Like, we're not right. going to ever, ever market, and yet we just go up and, like, you've, you've heard of it, right? Third Space Podcast. Yeah. I just assume. I mean, it kind of right. has this familiarity, but maybe it's just because it is familiar to me. But if you said that to someone, you know, Third Space Podcast, you've heard that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, I think I have. Third Space. That sounds familiar. I've heard the words Third and Space and Podcast before. <laughs> I don't know if in that order, but... Yeah. yeah. yeah I was going to ask... Um, did you
0: do anything did you do anything special for Halloween yesterday? Or uh?
1: Uh, I did, but it wasn't particularly eventful. Um, a teacher buddy and his wife invited us over, and we went over and we watched a movie. We watched Get Out. Um, but the most notable thing was when I went to leave, my car had been egged. What? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, Dang. my forerunner had been egged. Just one uh-huh. singular, maybe two eggs um, a- running down the back. No. Well, yeah, and I think if you looked at the way my car, it was one of these, if you can imagine, a short driveway, and I parked behind his mm-hmm. car, so it was close to the road, and just, because we actually looked, and his my, a mailbox had also been hit, and uh. I was looking at other cars, because I was curious. I had my school's bumper sticker on, and, I, and right. like, his mailbox says his last name, and I was like, uh, was this Came Target? After you. you know, The kind of the weird <laughs> question is, to me, that makes a huge difference is, if kids are just throwing eggs, like it's just annoying. But if it was like at me, which I know because I was at his ha- house, that would be very improbable. But if it was targeted at me, that's a, they'll kind of be like, oh, this, this sucks. <laughs> this kind of hurts my feelings. So, um, like the way I felt about it entirely depends on, you know, like part of me was like, oh, this almost feels like a rite of passage to get egged on Halloween. And I was, there's a weird thrill of like, well, I hope, I hope they had fun. That no. <laughs> sounds so stupid. Yeah. But like, I hope, I hope, no, what? that's
0: not that's not what I think. No, so.
1: and I don't I don't actually hope. Like, look, it, it felt innocent. It, what if I came out and it was the whole yard was TP'd and like it was just real like eggs everywhere? I'd be I'd be ticked, right? Um, but this was it felt like nerdy kids trying to. I, I like to project the most. This is the most right. you know best <laughs> presumption of goodwill I can exercise is like they were dorky and they had like they'd taken a couple of eggs and they were like wanting to be bad boys and girls or whatever and like that's just what they did and they did one car and they ran away and they were terrified and like have talked about it all the time you know i don't know and in that case i'm like i like that story better than i like just some jackasses you know like pelting my car that's
0: that's very generous of you i think what what you're trying to say is one bad egg doesn't spoil the bunch or
1: something. That... <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. As they say. Right. But I'll tell you what they. they... Neighborhood hooligan. He hosed it down for me and we left. It was, you know, late at night. It was like midnight or whatever. And then today I, um, like i had to really scrub because that stuff the i guess the something in the eggs that people use it, eggs because it can ruin paint and stuff the collagen there's the yes, collagen the collagen in the, in the eggs <laughs> the, the acidic the acidic collagen um no but i scrubbed it off and then i've been meaning to get my car washed and and or my my forerunner so i did and i'm happy with it right so um yeah whatever I mean, it's not a big deal other than, hey, I got egged, and that felt weird. I went through a range of emotions. Like, is this personal, and or is this well, just... They were coming for you. Because, no, like, that, that that was my number one question. If I got egged because someone, like, didn't like me, that would hurt more than just being egged by random passer passerbyers. Passerbyers. Passersby. Yeah. Passersby. Passersbyers. Right. I mean, it
0: would... I understand what you mean. Like, being targeted directly, I guess that would be more... Uh, more upsetting than just a random act of egging. Uh, just these random kids throwing stuff
1: around, being being chosen to have an egg thrown at you. I guess so. There's something a little horrifying about random act too. So.
0: Well, I guess the the bad thing about the random the random egging is that you have no one to get revenge against. You know, if someone's targeting you, um, then you at least you can track them down and go after yeah, them. Never really. And- and th- you can take your re- revenge out you can throw some eggs back at them oh. and and then you know y- now you're on
1: top. So. You're right. I was just thinking the other day, I really could use a good feud in my life. I've had a lot of peace for a while. My life's stable. I'd like to yeah. up in that, have, right. have a nice, uh, vengeful feud that really consumes me. And so yeah. this opportunity has now presented itself, but it feels wasted because yeah, I have this directionless energy. So I think I'm just going to pay it forward. You know, like, I think I'm just going to go buy some eggs tonight and see what we do. Yeah. Go
0: take it out, take it out on them. And that's, uh, you know, that, I think that's the 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 right thing to do. That's the only
1: thing, the only choice at your disposal here. Uh-huh. Get some justice, right? Egg justice. Are you are you suggesting that I should, if since something bad happened to me, or you know, maybe not even you know, I should just take it out on others in a destructive manner? That should be my and and I can make it like a political statement, right? Like this is like this is <laughs> help me yeah. exercising of my rights. Like I ha- I was wronged. Yeah, you and so you now. Know
0: you're it's your right to you know get eggs and go throw eggs at some other people are worse than eggs i don't know that's what they say to make uh make hay while the sun shines i
1: yeah, think make that's, hay while the sun shines take it don't let a good tragedy go to waste yeah, like, i've take, heard that you know heard the tragedy one. of my egg one is egg one man's egg you know i should really there's another
0: treasure know, or something yeah okay <laughs> something <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> What'd you do for Halloween? I didn't, I had a boring, I had a boring Halloween. I didn't, I didn't really do anything. I didn't, uh, I didn't bring up that topic to talk about my, uh, my Halloween. I was just wanting to see what you did. Yeah. I'm, I'm real boring when it comes to Halloween. I don't, I don't like dressing up. I don't like trick or treating. I don't eat a lot of candy. You know, that's, it's not the holiday for me. It's a lot of people's favorites, but not for, not really. Is
1: there no thrill and horror for you? And now that I think about it, we've been friends a long time and you know, I'm a fan of horror to some degree and you clearly aren't because you've never matched that or discussed that with me, but like right. why why Because well it's it... it's because yeah, I, I just don't get
0: scared from horror movies and that's the why? thing. Why? Well it's just I, I think maybe the problem is I just I can't suspend my disbelief enough to 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 get to to, to be afraid when I'm watching a horror movie. And that's the whole point of a horror movie. Is to feel that emotion, to feel that fear, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, I just I'm always aware that it's a movie, and so it's not like, you know, that that's what a horror movie has going for it. It's not like horror movies have you know high you know, good actors and high budgets, and uh, that just doesn't, you know, that's not what it's there for. It's not like they have, you know, really strong stories. So like when you take away that fear. Right. Um, there's just not much left to it, so it just ends up kind of a boring sort of thing. Uh,
1: so, yeah, if you can't be scared, then...
0: Yeah, then it's not... There's no point. I get it. You're so
1: brave and courageous, <laughs> yeah. and you're just so... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's
0: just me being better. Uh, yeah, I'm too courageous. I'm just too courageous to enjoy yeah, horror you're movies. just too so. brave. You're just yeah. too... But I will say that you know I don't like regular horror movies, but what I do get a kick out of, and you're well aware of this, is... You know, I do What some of my favorite horror movies are B movie horror movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And th- those are great because um, the, the fear part isn't really it, it's irrelevant in a way it's it's the failure to, to inspire
1: well, the that's fear why it is relevant like they are they think they're achieving something horrific and, yeah, and right. terrifying and how far that is from the truth is such a, a joy to, to laugh at yeah that's the
0: <laughs> that's that's the best part is when uh, they 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 think they're gonna scare you um, and then it falls totally flat and that's the that's the best part that makes it enjoyable to laugh at um. But there's just no way that they're gonna instill any legitimate sense of fear, um, and that's I don't know. That's why horror movies. I've just never, never done it for me. Right. So, um,
1: yeah, that's fair. The the one of the reasons that they are so prolific or, or ever present or whatever is they're cheap to make, right? Like, like yeah. you don't need a vast like fantasy setting or a big budget. You just take a dark closed space, I say eerie images. Yeah, and I mean. Yeah, like a good old slasher film. You, it, it, Don't even need good actors, you know? And so, so that's the problem, though, is that it's plagued with... There's, You are right in your criticism. If I were to just select any genre and I had to take a random movie, horror would be last on my list because the probability of getting a bad one is higher than probably any other genre. And bad enough, like you said, like, okay, like a lot of horror deals with sound to create that mood. And so we've gotten very good like good sound for cheap now and yeah. so a good any horror movie is going to have pretty eerie just gross sounds or or noises or creepy things even if it's a failure in all other fronts so it's going to be right. just good enough to be meh and not be like the enjoyment of the b movie that we enjoy so like yeah it's the worst case scenario is you just have these half-assed movies that yeah. you know especially when if you don't do it well it can feel so gratuitous with the murdering and the gore and stuff and you're right there's there's a lot that can go wrong and they're so easy to make that there's plenty out there of just mediocre horror so I'm with you and and like you said it's not very scary for you so it's not cathartic it's not a thrill that it's not a safe thrill because that's what I think the appeal of horror is is that they, you get to go have an intense experience that's not or that's safely within the confines of like your home or, or right. you know, the movie theater yeah. or whatever.
0: Well, I don't have anything. I don't have anything innately against horror movies. You know, it's not like I have some huge disdain for horror movies. Like for example, like like I do with like rap or something. Um, so it's not like I, I hate horror movies or people who like horror movies. It's just you know it's not I think not you- for me. Um, but uh, uh, I mean, it's possible that. You, know, you could have some kind of uh, horror movie with a better story or a psychological thriller or some niche kind of horror that might be more appealing to me. I mean I don't know it's possible but I root I
1: for horror movies because when you have all these tentpole big gigantic blockbuster films that yeah. you know can't be risky and then you have on the opposite end cheap horror that like needs to stand out from the bunch because you're either just gonna appeal to and make that your safe stupid horror movie that I'm never gonna watch or you take a risk. And you do something unusual and it doesn't cost a lot of money. So there's just room for creativity and risk taking in horror movies. So that's why I sort of like that's probably where I'm drawn to it. Just like take a risk. You don't have to you don't have to tell this sort of love story or cheesy stuff that gets folded into so many movies now. You just gotta be scary. And there's a lot of different ways to be scary. So I like to see the different interpretations of, of horror out there. So I just like yep. it.
0: And I mean, it's not like I wouldn't be willing to give horror a shot, you know, forever. Um, yeah, maybe if there was something more appealing or, or niche or risky, like you say, I might pull out, uh, <laughs> pull out the old VHS tape and put it in. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the old vi- video tapes, <laughs> <laughs> Vigi- tapes, and I, I might give that a shot. But uh, you know, most of the time, it's just probably probably yeah. not gonna happen. Fair so.
1: enough. Yeah. I'm not gonna win you over.
0: No. Well, we had a really long uh, opening there, but I actually have an opening segment that I wanted to start with. <laughs> Let me hear it. <laughs> um, that's uh, another Superpowers and Drawbacks, finally. Oh, so, I really
1: want to do one. I'm in the mood for a Superpower and Drawback.
0: Yeah, I think it's been a while um, since our last one. Okay. Um, and so it's time to time to start it up again. Uh, it's one of my favorite segments.
1: Superpowers so. and Drawbacks, oh. <laughs> they gotta choose one and the other. Wow, that now How see that? that was that was a great jingle <laughs> that was actually really good so I, I just um, think we should also have jingles for our segments it would be yeah, nice
0: I, I can't wait to hear your jingle for mind your morals or Daniel does science or a nice poppy one for uh I'm gonna have to learn know.
1: to play the piano and then yeah and then do it learn it do that do it yes that's gonna be my motivating factor
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right so this time we're gonna go with the superpowers and drawbacks
1: level three. Okay. Power level three. I don't think we've done that one before. I don't think I think we did a four one time was the highest and we've done a lot of ones and twos. So yeah, I don't think we've hit a three. I think we did a I think we did a six actually. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think so. One time. Um. I'm ready. But usually usually they're lower than that, so. Alright, so the first superpower that you get to choose from is called Super Skipper. Super skipper? Yeah, Super Skipper. Yeah. Okay. Um, So for this one you are one and a half times faster than the fastest Olympic sprinter, but only when skipping. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's all. How... You mean
1: my skipping is faster than their running, to be clear?
0: Yes. Yeah. The fastest speed that the fastest uh, Olympic sprinter can run, you can skip one and a half times faster than that speed. But you have to be Pretty skipping. Cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's really fast. Yes.
0: Right. All right. So you get to choose between super skipper And this second superpower, uh, and that one's called Printer Copier. Uh, So for Printer Copier, whenever you shake someone's hand, your fingerprints morph to mimic theirs. Uh, And and this lasts until you shake hands
1: with someone else. I guess that'd be useful if I were criminally inclined. Yes. Uh, And also,
0: uh, you can get your original fingerprints back um, by shaking hands with your feet. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so I don't know how the, I don't know if you call it shaking feet, shaking hands, shaking feet, uh, shake
1: hand feet. I don't know. So. Shake feet, feet, shake, feet shake. That sounds gross. A feet shake, feet shake as like a milkshake alternative. Anyway, ugh. yeah, no, ugh. got it. <laughs> Printer, copier.
0: Yeah. So I mean, you don't. I mean, you don't have to be the bad guy. But, ugh, you know. felt
1: genuine there, like it, like, kind of caught you, and you went, ugh. ugh like, feet really shake. Nice. Feet that's
0: shake. Really yeah. Oh, sounds like a bad, bad flavor. So, in order to get one of those two superpowers, you have to choose also one of these drawbacks. The first drawback is called Weekly Haunting. Uh, So, for this one, once a week, at a random time, a spectral human form, only visible to you, appears nearby and watches you. So, it can't speak, can't hurt you, or affect anything in the physical realm. Um, Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, but its appearance changes. Sometimes it's a man, sometimes it's a woman, sometimes it's a child, uh, and these uh, these hauntings they last anywhere between
1: thirty minutes and six hours. And how how the, their proximity to me is? What? Uh, it could
0: be it could be anything. It's just random, so they
1: could, it could be across the street. It could be next on my couch. You know?
0: Yeah, you could. You, know, you could be driving in your car, and they could appear in the passenger seat. Um, you, know, you could be at school, and uh, you could look over into the bleachers far away, and you can see, you know, this ghost or whatever staring at you there. And it um, tends,
1: and it for, and you said for an hour.
0: Yeah, well, before how, how? any anywhere between thirty minutes and six hours. Thirty minutes
1: to six hours, you don't know, and it will once it's in that haunting process, it follows you probably equidistance to when it appears. So if it's across the street, it'll remain at at street distance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Generally, um, generally the same following you. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. And it
1: will not do anything other than be possibly quite intense on the creepy factor. And I'm the only one that sees it.
0: Yeah. It can't, it can't actually hurt you. No one else can see it, but it could be really creepy. Like it could be like a dead family member, lesions or a child with a throat slit or, you know, (sighs) gosh, yeah, Okay. It, it could be really creepy. So. All right, so the, uh, the, the other drawback is called keep your friends close and your enemies far away. <laughs> uh, so um, for this one... As they say. <laughs> yeah, as they say. Yeah, it's a common phrase. So for this one, uh, people who you dislike will smell absolutely awful to you. Uh, so the strength and disgustingness of this odor is proportional to how much you dislike them. Okay uh, but the minimum is rotting garbage uh, smellable oh, gosh. smellable within five feet. Uh, no, no one can smell it but you though. so um, it's not like everyone everyone around that person uh, smells it. They don't smell it. You're the only one that can smell the terrible smell of the person you dislike.
1: Do the friends smell uh, good? Or is, or uh, no, okay. No, 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 no. Um,
0: people who you don't dislike just smell like them, their normal selves. So if they smell good normally, they smell good. If they smell bad, they smell bad. But your dislike doesn't affect how, what they smell like.
1: So it really should just be called keep your enemies far away, but it doesn't sound as good. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> keep not the phrase. Close. And <laughs> yeah. I am try, try to come up with these little names for these things. I like this. Um, so if I don't know someone... Um, they have no, you know, they're neutral. They have their natural smell. Right. And
0: yeah, they, they just smell like normal. Uh, it's only, only if you psychologically dislike someone
1: or have been told that they're, uh, they're jerks and they like screwed over your best friend. So you see them and they smell pretty bad. Right. Well, it's, it's all about what's in your head. It's all
0: your psychological dislike. So, um, you know, if you if you truly feel that dislike for them, then they'll smell bad. Uh, but if you don't, then they'll...
1: That's, that's interesting. You could learn about all sorts of prejudices that you have that you don't fully understand. Okay, so right. like what if about... You're, if you're biased, then that would... What about you're on a date, you're on a blind date with someone oh, and they like... I like that. I really neutral. like... I like that
0: one. Yeah, that's interesting. That's what I'm saying. So, so. they
1: start like having a bad conversation, or, you know, they're making points you don't agree with, or they tell a bad joke, I don't know, whatever, or, or the second they walk up, and it could go wrong, it could go really wrong. So this is weird, so let's say people, like, like, let's say some women are walking by you that you don't find particularly attractive, but, like, you don't care, they're not going to smell like garbage, but if that same woman now is your blind date, and you're mm-hmm. supposed to sort of be determining your attraction and you don't find them attractive they're gonna smell is that cor- a correct use of this power pa- drawback well,
0: it's it's all about what's in your head like someone walking so,
1: past you just does you, you don't feel anything toward them right yes. so that's the point
0: yeah exactly so but
1: then all of a sudden they're like oh I'm your date and you're like disappointed then they'd start smelling
0: well so, so it all depends on your psychological state in your head so you know if you, actually feel dislike for someone that's when they smell if you're just disappointed with the situation and not them then they may not smell so in in this blind date situation it kind of it kind of it kind of shows something about what's inside your head you know if you're disappointed that maybe your date's not attractive or whatever they won't necessarily smell it if you if you dislike the situation but um but maybe if you know you're you're not as good as you could be if you're giving in to your negative impulses some of that disappointment might, may filter into the day and you may actually dislike
1: them which would mean they would start to smell i like that distinction because when you're on a date with someone and you don't like them, you don't dislike them. You just don't like them, and unless un- unless they start yes, unless they start being a jerk or whatever it is that offends your sensibilities, and then they start smelling.
0: Right. So that's actually the really funny thing to me is that you you could be on a blind date and they not smell, and then start they would start to smell and. That, and that actually tells you something about the way you see so them. so that
1: they would start, so this is interesting that th- th- they would start to smell. And I like this idea of them in the moment starting to smell. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's really funny. Uh, and it would be terrible too, like at a dinner or something. And all of a sudden. It Sounds like a movie
1: that would be like, what was.
0: Like a bad sitcom episode. There was some
1: movie about like a guy saw the inner beauty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what it was, was, uh, was it? That,
0: Kevin James. It had Kevin that, James.
1: Was it? He was in it. the yeah, I think so. What yes, that, that comedian that was you know really really popular for like a in little Paul while. Blart. Like he he got that Kurt. He was in Paul Blart no, Mall we're, Cop we're in, King it's of Queens. Not Kevin James, unless Kevin James was in the movie, but this was this was wasn't it? Uh, this is gonna. No, this is
0: no, was it Jack no, Black? Um, it was Jack Black. Wasn't I'm gonna it? butcher
1: that. It's not worth
0: It was Jack Black. Jack Black and Shallow Hal. That was the name, wasn't it?
1: No, this is a Shallow Hal with that is it. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna that was it. With Jack really Black. Quickly. It's. He, they might be in I'm pretty sure that was they it. might be in the movie but it's the the star is um it's got to be jack i'm pretty sure it's a jack black
0: God. in that one.
1: Oh, you are right it's jack black gosh yeah 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 he is how well who is this i thought that was it you are right yeah
0: I, I didn't ever actually see the movie but uh, oh
1: my gosh i'm annoyed that i have a <laughs> false memory of like i was a bet a lot of money anyway so and yeah great effects. movie i'm sure i've never seen it either but yeah the smell the smell thing it sounds similar to that it could have a lot of funny or just goofy this would be a pg-13 crappy comedy S-
0: smell and dan It'd be called smell dan smell dan Smellin' dan, <laughs> Smellin dan. <laughs> Smellin dan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Weird. <laughs> okay, so let me go back over this. So we got super skipper, so I can skip at at almost superhuman speed, one and a half times the fastest person in the world, or yep. or Olympian, or whatever. Right, right. Um, printer copier um, shaking hands gives me their um, fingerprints. Yeah. Fingerprints. Weekly haunting is this eerie, you know, celestial figure or just a ghost basically haunts me for an, between thirty minutes and six hours once a week. And right. does not harm me or curse me or give me bad luck or anything like that. Right. Um. And, and then people I don't like start smelling bad, and it's proportional to how much I, how strong my distaste for them is. And so something you'd have to weigh into that is like, yeah, that's right. Like, how often do you have to be around people you have a distaste for <laughs> because that would affect you? Um, yep. It also rewards like someone who's friendly, just or like you know, kind of likes everybody. They they uh, are gonna have a more pleasant experience with this drawback. Right. Um, or they have less encounters about you it. could
0: you could cultivate uh, yeah it could make um, you a better person yeah cultivate a better a better a better bubble around yourself i guess you could say um like you could you could work on your mental state to not dislike people um, yeah and then you wouldn't experience the drawback as much
1: that's an interesting outlook of how it could have a positive benefit that i learned to dislike people less in order to not have to deal with their smelliness because <laughs> right, right. like uh, the weekly haunting thing is interesting because i could see for some people this would be a 10 on the scale of one to 10 right like just yeah. no i'm not ever ever doing that but part of me is like you could put that at a one it's a visually unsettling thing that you can avoid and will not do anything to you and yeah. it's not going to jump scare you and cause you to wreck there's no risk like part of it me could. Is like, this is... i mean it could jump scare you. i mean it could could, could cause a wreck yes Oh, I guess when it... Okay. Like You're right. When your it seat. appears, we, there's a, there's some ambiguity of, of the appearance. Yeah. And I wish you could give me some clue, and I don't know if it's fair to ask, like, how frequently will they be, like, next to me? Because if it were random. every time next to me. Yeah, but but random is, like, how far away is far away, you know? That, so it's the, va- the, the... Well, it's
0: uniformly uniformly random, so brush up yeah, on your right. uh, statistics.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uniformly random does so, but like, and you don't know when it'll be. And uh can we say that it's in waking hours typically though? So no, that, or, no, or not
0: necessarily. It could be you know it could be the middle of the night or something. You could wake up and you know they would be watching you. That'd be kind of kind of creepy. So yeah, you can't. Right. You can't That's tell.
1: actually maybe we're in a weird way like oh, I don't like that, but like. The, the weird thing is the knowledge that there's the creepy thing about some a figure staring at you is the uncertainty of like, what are they plotting? What the are they thinking? The intention intentions. and the lack, your lack of knowledge of the intention. But if if you've given me intention, you've said they're just there to be bo- like sort of bother you to be a drawback. So you've made it not a drawback almost for me. I I actually thought about this point um before as a as
0: a drawback writer it was it was i was kind of in a bind uh, because if i if i tell you that oh you don't know if they are they're, they're going to try to kill you or hurt you or whatever that that changes the whole ball game like totally a lot yeah, yeah and and so you know i have to tell you uh you know i have to tell you they they have no ill intent
1: um i mean then it's at a 10 and i would never take it ever so right yeah
0: I think you're right. Some, some people would find it, you know, a 10 really scary. Other people would find it a 1 not, you know, they could easily deal with it. So I'll, I'll leave it to you to decide. Part
1: of it is I have to agree to it before I know how unsettling it is i don't get to test run this you know and if i choose it it could be very very upsetting in a way i didn't expect (laughs) but you can't know yourself 100 percent. like i'm predicting it wouldn't be that bad I'd just be like oh that's weird anyway it could could be disturbing
0: um, it could be disturbing either way like i say it could be something really scary like a dead family member with their face all right chopped up or a dead kid or something uh could be really really scary Um, yeah but it could also it could be also an innocuous person castor looking ghost. Yeah, just a normal normal person except they're kind of a semi-transparent creepy ghost. I guess it would still be kind of unsettling.
1: I I think they would it'd be unsettling no matter what. It could be like a friendly looking person but they're just w- watching you. <laughs> I mean that's staring the, at you. They're just yeah. looking at you. Ugh, With their head yeah. kind of down, um, downturned. But then again, the so what okay, are you choosing? Yeah, sorry. Uh, to well I don't see much printer copier I'm just tossing that out I, I want to examine quickly like I don't care I've never used my hand fingerprints have played such a little role only in like getting a job as a background check you and could so, they could so they play, play a it's role it's played such a it could it would yeah you're right like if I take that on I'd say alright well now how can I use this and that it just seems to be criminally oriented. Like, like everything... Well, it doesn't every... have to be. It doesn't have to be criminal. You could be a spy, like CIA or FBI. Yeah. <laughs> well, that... I mean, you could be a you good guy. You right. Um, and that would be very powerful for a spy so then am i willing to up in my life i have no passion or desire to or i don't think i'd be good at being a spy so i think i'd (laughs) I'd fail on that even with this superpower so i think you mm, i think you'd be a bad spy yeah i do i just i just think it's not in my it goes it's counter to so many of my like who i am like i like to talk about things and i like to anyway so i just don't see it being it just doesn't appeal to me super skipper um I mean, I don't need to be fast at all, <laughs> right? But but the ability to do it is kind of cool, and I'd probably start entering some races and go ahead and I mean that alone could be really <laughs> lucrative and yeah, yeah, it'd be very lucrative Whee! and and like so <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the uh the the Olympics they don't
0: have a style uh guideline, so <laughs> <laughs> you could just be skipping along. Oh, the race. they
1: people would freak out. I would I'd, That's actually. So I'm definitely taking this. It's the su- I'm taking the super skipper and making it my career in addition to teaching, because I don't think I need to go train. I can just right. do it, right? So people will be like, Why isn't he training? Why is he spending all this time teaching? And then I just go out there and kick butt and it just sort of like, What? This English teaching super skipping, you know, person. <laughs> like I'm really weird.
0: Well, at least until uh, at least until I find you know, some other podcast host or guest or something, and they take a better power. Uh, run, so. Yeah, sometimes. And then you have
1: some to you have to compete. You actually have to compete. So yeah, because you you did put a limitation. Yeah, you said you're right. I'm one and a half times the fastest person. So that doesn't mean if someone else fastest olympian they would be faster because mine's only the Olympic runner right? speed yes. and one and a half times. So, oh. um, where I'm okay. This is what I'm doing. I'm taking super skipper and. And this is not where my mind was originally but i'm going there uh keep your friends close and your enemies far away
0: wow yeah.
1: didn't expect that one so. yes um, why because i can't accurately assess how upsetting the weekly haunting is going to be um I, I think i can but i could see this being one of those gray areas where it's way worse than i thought um and, and and it might screw with me if, and like I could see something really upsetting if a, lo- a loved one like dies and then I'm seeing them, even though I know it's just some sort of oh, it's my oh that's my weekly haunting and back. I can intellectually my distance back. myself. Yeah. But it would just the, the that reminder would be upsetting. And I just don't know you know, I, I just so the unpredictability of that whereas um I'm I can handle bad smells well, I don't know how well I can. Um, well, I mean it, it starts
0: at rotting garbage.
1: So. Yes. and gets re- more and more repulsive. I don't feel intense of, I don't think it'd be go, it'd go f- for me right now in my life. I don't have strong enemies in my life and I think this would actually be something I can use for the good. And I can start learning about myself. So you like I really could learn about some biases and I could learn about like how to just willfully not have strong distaste for people um and so i actually think i could maneuver this into possibly pushing me to be a better person
0: hmm. yeah all right so there all
1: right. super skipper and, and enemies far away good choices those
0: are those are decent choices well reasoned
1: so what are you doing
0: um i think i think i'm taking super skipper uh as well probably for the same the exact same reasons you listed i mean i don't i don't ever have to go fast i don't really need to run fast but i don't know sometimes you got to run man and you know if i if i could super skip then i could super skip while looking quite joyful
1: <laughs> and uh can you picture a mugger a mugger is like hand over your money and you he's <laughs> away <yeah. laughs> so right. funny. Be awesome
0: you make some headlines you uh, look happy while you're doing whee! it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great visual but yeah i don't know i i I, I think I'd have
1: to make it my career, right? Like, I don't think that's an opportunity you can pass up. Yeah, you just walk out there and do it once every four years and, like, get all these deals and stuff. Like, you don't, like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah,
0: and yeah. I mean, the wackiness, just the pure wackiness of it is going to get you headlines. Oh, my God.
1: It's so much attention. <laughs> They'll make documentaries
0: on you, so. Right. You'll, you'll be real popular, the super skipping racer or whatever, so. Now, now for uh, printer copier, I think for, for the same reasons you outlined, I'd I don't I don't think I take that Um, I mean if I was a person of questionable morals maybe that would be a little bit more valuable but I don't I don't want to be a spy uh, yeah and so it's just not that thrilling uh,
1: because I don't want to do that I think that's going to lead to a life of misery right right. like I believe you reap what you sow if you start stealing like I don't know I think even if you I can't bury that feeling even if I had success with the theft I think it would plague me yeah so I just you know not gonna not gonna go well for me right I like the name. Of, I like the name of it, but yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it's a good name. Um, and, and I think uh, I think I'm gonna take weekly haunting for my drawback. Uh, I just don't. I don't think it would bother me that much, and for all the same reasons as horror movies. Yes. Um, like horror movies don't bother me. I don't get really scared by those images in a movie. If this is a similar apparition that's
1: not gonna hurt me or harm me, like I don't, regardless of how creepy it is, I think I can handle it. They're quiet, it. by the way. They don't just talk to you, but like even if they had like a gargling breath because they're slit throat, they're not just sitting there going, Whoa. yeah, okay, no, no, that's no they're it. quiet.
0: Yeah. yeah, they're quiet.
1: What? Well, I- they can't say anything. I, I want to say Weekly Haunting, but like I said, I, I'm a little disappointed, but at least I know myself well enough to go, all right, there's a little too much gray area for me to be yeah, comfortable. Just, just saying, oh, yeah, it wouldn't bother me. Like, it could. It could surprise me. Even though I, I think I'm in your camp, that I'd be just fine. Yeah, I just, just it just could too upset much of a, me.
0: Too much it's of a scary... But not yet, worth so. the risk,
1: especially when I get enemies far away. Like, I can deal with that. So.
0: On the flip side, uh, I think that... Um, the bad smells would be horrible it would be a horrible plague for me because i'm really sensitive to bad smells i also think i dislike more people (laughs) than you do uh so that would be really bad um but and also i don't want to take it because um you know i kind of think it's valuable to expose yourself to people you dislike sometimes it helps you build resilience uh And, you know, it lets you overcome that challenge. And if they smelled so horrible, I would just avoid people. I would avoid people I disliked. And then I would never build up that resistance.
1: Yeah.
0: And like, you know, so basically I can, I can tolerate the contorted visage of a dead ancestor, but, uh, I ain't putting up with no stinky people. That's just, that's not for
1: me. (laughs) Well put. (laughs) This is really funny. But I don't want to deal with stinky people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So you have something else you want to pitch to me?
0: Yes, I have another topic to discuss, a, uh, a very topical topic. <laughs> I like um, topical topics. Uh, yeah, so considering um, you know, as, at the time of this recording, Election Day is only a couple of days away, I want to talk to you about voting. Uh, and before you groan, I know you feel like uh,
1: groaning right now. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I know you want to groan because um, there's all of this get out the vote crap. Everyone seems to be trying to motivate people into going out and voting. And obviously there's nothing wrong with voting, but it, you know, I just have an instinctive resistance to being told what to do. I'd rather do things of my own volition. Anyway, I don't I don't want to talk about voting um, with respect to this election. This conversation isn't meant to be about that. I want to talk about how the voting system could be improved. In past conversations, right. we've uh we we've talked about how uh, we could improve the prison system for example or the education system or uh the transportation system and we imagine a brand new world in which we get to, you know, snap our fingers and design everything. And that's kind of what I want to do with voting. I think it could be interesting. Um sure. I voted the other day, and ever since it's kind of been on my mind a little bit, I've been thinking about the process and how it could be improved. And, you know, of course, on the news, it's all over people talking about voter fraud and deadlines. And and it seems like at least some people think there's some way that voting
1: could be improved. Well, Really quick, just some clarifying questions. Yeah. Do you mean we're not talking about like electoral college stuff. We're talking about how to get uh, people to vote for one of two or vote for a candidate. I'll just say that. Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, I wanted to
1: not, uh, not the election process and how the winner is decided, but you're talking about like the means to go vote.
0: Right. Well, it's all kind of tied together. Um, You know, you can't, can't, once you start to get into one part of it, the logistics and engineering, you kind of end up talking about, the rules anyway but but i'm i'm a little bit more interested in the logistics and engineering so we can start there and kind of see where it goes right i don't want to rule any of it
1: out well yeah that's fair i just didn't want i wanted to limit my focus not on like criticizing or endorsing the electoral college and like you know refresh doing a history lesson and stuff it's more just like all right well you know can we get a baseline on how it generally works right now? To to in order to vote, you you've got to be a citizen and like there's different polling places, right?
0: Actually, I, actually what I'd like to do um, is while you kind of mull over the 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 thought of voting and maybe have some ideas pop into the back of your head, um, I'd like to kind of talk about the history a little bit. I know that sounds maybe a little boring, but Actually, voting has changed quite a lot since the beginning of you know the United States. Um, so I, I kind of want to talk about how it was way back in the day in the 1700s and then how it's changed a little bit. You know, some things throughout history, we only seem to... It's just a bunch of incremental changes. Maybe some of those changes have been good. Maybe some of those changes have been bad. Well, that's And you can make them better. That's,
1: <laughs> that's why I'd like to examine some of these. So part of my my inclination is that like okay if if you're a citizen and making it easy to vote so you have several polling places that you go and vote or you because it just seems a little bit sketchy to be able to do this over say the internet even though it seems like if we could come up with a solution to be able to just log into the web the secure website you know right well if if
0: i could if i could i'd like to kind of just go through how things have Changed I would like
1: to hear that, yeah.
0: A little bit, because actually the 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 ideas that you're putting out, the questions that you're asking, the suggestions, are actually some of the questions that I really want to kind of get into. I think that's interesting. So do you know, way back in the day, uh, like in the 1700s when things started, do you know how things worked? I really don't. Well, it's actually pretty interesting. Um, so like way back in the 1700s when it was just the American colonies, uh the the only people allowed to vote, of course, this is something you're aware of. Or they were called freeholders, uh, and they had to be, free, you know, wealthy property owning men.
1: Property um, owning men. Okay, that was a big component is the owning of the property.
0: Right. Yeah, that was an important
1: uh, uh, an important piece. I guess of that the... meant you owned a little bit of America, and then yeah, Are we talking that... about America specifically, right? Or okay,
0: yeah, just the United States. Um okay. That's the only. That's the only. Thing that i researched and that's the only thing yeah. that i really know about in fact i think all other countries are monarchies yeah. so
1: um
0: we, d- we can't even talk about them so but uh yeah back in the back in the day when things started like i say it was uh, freeholders but there were no ballots they didn't have paper ballots they didn't have absentee ballots and they couldn't do mail-in voting because the post office wasn't really around um so the way it worked is they actually had to these people who could vote, had to physically travel to their voting house. Um, and it was all done publicly. So when they wanted to vote for someone, the, the, the people would go down the voter rolls and say, who do you vote for? You stand up, call out who you're voting for, and then the candidate would you know stand up, bow, and thank you for your vote. This is nuts. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> it's it's wild.
1: Yeah, public. So public opinion and popularity. In, I mean, pu- this sounds like so... Yeah. Anyway, it sounds kind of cool, the party component, but it's so ripe for being a popularity contest, right? Whoever can smooth the most people and feel the tide shifting, whatever.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing about having having it all out in public. Uh, You know, I guess your opinions are a little bit more susceptible to groupthink. Um, But on the flip side... It's more of an open discussion, uh, and you know, back in the day, people weren't so divided. Everyone was a founder, basically, and so it was kind of a discussion of ideas. Sure. Um, but one other thing that I found really interesting, you talk about a party component. It really was like this big, rambunctious party. There was a lot of alcohol. The candidates would actually supply alcohol to all of the voters. In, in, in one famous instance, George Washington, he lost one election, and then he came back the next election with a whole bunch of booze and gave booze to all his uh, voters. And then he actually ended up winning that wow. election. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy uh, the way things used to work. Um, and another thing that was really interesting is they, they actually explicitly did not like secret ballots. They thought that uh, secret ballots were cowardly <laughs> and you shouldn't use them. Is there something to that? Is there something cowardly about secret ballots?
1: Hmm.
0: Maybe. Uh, I think that's something maybe we should, uh, we should unpack um, after we go through the history of it. But if I could, I want to just walk through the rest of it. because It won't take too long. So in the, in the 1800s, that's when the secret ballot kind of actually started coming along towards the mm-hmm. end of it. But uh, at, at the beginning, when they started doing paper ballots, you actually had to bring your own ballot. Uh, and you had to remember all the candidates, their names, how to spell it. If you didn't spell their name right, then your, your vote got tossed out. Uh, so you had to be literate, which, you know, wasn't as common as it is today, although today it's still somewhat uncommon. Um, but uh, eventually the uh, the candidates started providing their own ballots. Yeah. Um, and so you can imagine how, you know, this kind of turned into a race to see who could produce the most ballots and pass them out. Because the more ballots you got out, the more people could vote for you. Uh, and so it be- kind of became less about the candidate and more about the method of voting, which, you know, we see some of that today um right and and, and they, they started to brand their ballots you know with uh for particular parties and that's actually where the two-party system sort of began it was you know does your does the republican ticket uh you know is it this ballot or here's um, the elephant
1: here's the donkey yeah yeah, yeah yeah
0: sort of like that uh and so it became a kind of a battle over the ticket uh you know who, who could produce the most tickets and which ticket do you get uh, and take t- and fill out um
1: is that where the phrase they get on the ticket get on the republican ticket get on the democratic ticket yeah yeah, yeah, okay. yeah
0: that's exactly right that's exactly where it came from it started back then because it looked like a train ticket you know one other thing that i read that that i don't quite understand but apparently it was common back then as well when you hand when you hand out the ballot to a voter to also just hand him a few coins uh and like like money. Yeah, like Just, act, like money. It's
1: so weird. Here's a is a little money.
0: Yeah, isn't it strange? Like a bribe or something. I don't know. But and this wasn't uh, considered
1: like immoral bribery. <laughs> not, no, they,
0: they they called it like soap money or something. I, I I don't really know the full story behind that one, but th- there was a lot of shady business uh, that that could happen. A lot of things could be kind of corrupted. Back then, um, actually, the the eighteen hundreds is really where that's where all the action happened because technology was changing. Um, there was a lot of developments, you know, in the country itself, obviously during that time. But you know, it, we went from you know some people calling out their votes by voice to paper ballots that you bring to printed paper ballots. There was actually a big controversy over printed ballots, uh, because there was a question of whether it was constitutional or not. um, Because if you have a printed ballot, then you don't actually have to know. You don't actually have to know the candidates uh, on the ticket. You can just, you know, fill in a circle or whatever. And there was the contention that maybe, you know, it's your duty to know the candidates and know who you're voting for instead of just, you know, filling in a circle. Um, So that was something kind of interesting. Um, And then on the note of uh, how votes, voting was carried out, one interesting tidbit that I learned was that the state of Kentucky, uh, because everything was different in all the states, the state of Kentucky, they actually continued voting out loud, by voice, in person, until 1891. So I thought that was kind of wild. Um, but But most people in the middle of the 1800s, they started to move towards the secret ballot Uh, I guess the 1700s folks, you know, they were dead and gone by this time. And they didn't cry that it was cowardly. Uh, And so they moved (laughs) to the secret ballot. And it was actually based on Australia's voting system, their secret ballot. So it was, uh, you know, you get your ballot, you go into some secluded booth or spot and pull a curtain behind you or something and fill it out and and turn it in. Um, And and that's kind of how it was done. And uh, by the end of the 1800s, they were using different technologies, so they were using uh, punch uh, punch machines and levers, um, and then uh, and then the technology and the restrictions just kind of continued to change through the 1900s. So um, it, it, all the way up until 1965, there were literacy tests that could be imposed before you could vote. Uh, and of course, in the 1920s, uh, women were uh, allowed to vote. And then also way back in the uh, you know, in Reconstruction in the 1800s, black people were allowed the right to vote. So gradually, more and more of the population uh, were, were available to actually cast their vote. Technology continued to advance. Uh, we saw things like optical scanners coming in in the 1900s to, to read the ballots. Um, and so that changed. Every time you have one of these technological advancements, things kind of shift um and then, as we get to the 2000s, a time when we actually were alive to witness it, right, right. Uh, you had things like the infamous hanging Chad in um, Florida
1: specifically. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so that was that was a technologically influenced election. I and mean, that's an example of where the method yeah. that the method of voting actually can affect an election. Um, and so you know you have to design your system well. Or, you know, you could end up with a poor election. And then further in the 2000s, they started experimenting with touchscreens, which were found to be really insecure. insecure. Unsecure is probably a better way to say it. Um, they actually found that by changing a memory card, you could actually you, you could change a ton of the votes. Um, so we actually ended up going back to paper ballots in most places. So that's kind of where we stand.
1: Uh, okay. Yep. Well, that was very informative and really interesting, actually. Um, yeah.
0: It's... well. It just goes to show you that it, there's an always evolving technological progression and and sometimes the rules hinge on the technology. And then when technology changes out from under you, the rules may not update uh, alongside in step with the technology. And that was kind of the reason why I thought this would be an interesting topic because here, at least in this point in time, we if we snap our fingers, we don't have to worry about you know, the rules or technology, we can make what we want. Right. And so we have a lot of freedom to decide how we want things to go in this discussion. And um, so, I don't know, I'm interested to see what you come up with or what we can come up with. Maybe we can improve on things or come up with a system that I guess seems more fair or or
1: is more functional even. Right. And is it is it really so difficult to produce something that isn't right for corruption digitally like because touch screens with the secure system make sense because and then it just shows you at the end are you sure you meant this like double check and then you click yes submit and there you go um, and so long as it's not being hacked you know yeah, or, or at least you know protected against hacking because it will tr- attempts will be made I assume which right. is a sad assumption but I think it's a safe one Yes. Um, but one of the questions that to me was interesting was when you said that they they introduced um, the printing press would print the ballots or whatever. I don't know if you said printing press, but the mass printing yeah. and it led to a debate about well, you need to know the right the candidates, name you need to at least know them, and now where you face the situation where you could just check a box or whatever. And I, I go back and forth on this uh, idea of. Uh, I think one way of keeping some people oppressed is you you could develop those tests, right? One of their tests for Black people about yeah, how they have the signature, liter- literacy, and, literacy the, the, tests, litera- literacy tests, and they were so crap, right? Like they were they were failing them in order to prevent them from voting. Um, on the uh, weird to say on the flip side, but but the idea of you have to be informed about the candidates you're voting for seems almost common sense or the policy that you're voting for. Like you need to know what you're voting for makes just uh, a lot of sense. And I think most people would say, yeah, that makes sense. Right. So this popped in my head. and seems ridiculous though. At the same time, what if you were required to attend at no more than an hour, an hour course that was a free to everyone. Mm-hmm. They had them frequently, literally like six every, on the hour, every hour for you know, several months and it was a pre-approved, here are the candidates, here are the positions. And they both like all the parties involved would have to agree and give their stamp of approval of like, yes, that is what we're saying. And Hmm. you had to sit through it. And then at the end you could vote. And like, so like, (laughs) that's just an idea. So that and you had to maybe even pass a quick multiple choice. Did you understand this? What is this policy? What does this candidate stand for to make sure you weren't just like completely zoned out? Um, Hmm. And then, and it, and it was truly something that, it, you know, people with, say, a 60 IQ, I don't know my IQ well, but pretty like, that's pretty low IQ, right? They're functionally, like, w- at what point do you, s- it's very low, it's very low. Uh, I mean, a hundred's average, right? So, yeah. um, but you're, but you are functional and you're allowed to vote and you can pass this test, ta- this easy multiple choice that is only meant to say, do you understand these policies and these candidates' positions? Um, and then you can vote. Mm. Um, but, like. Is that, a, is that so obtrusive to demand that someone take a course to, to be able to vote? I'm just throwing that out there as sort of a starting point of right, like right. how educated do you need them to be.
0: Well, it's an interesting idea. Um, I mean, at some level, it seems very reasonable that if you're going to be voting, you should know what you're voting for and you know what what, what the issues are. Um, you know, some things that pop into my head... Uh, when I think about that, like a mandatory course, you know that that means that there has to be a place, um, a place to 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 take to take this test, um, and people to staff it, people to ensure that you know you're you're abiding by the rules that you're setting, and that's a lot of expense um, yeah. to to put in place. Uh, another thing that you know obviously worries me is that you know who who writes these. Uh, this information for the test uh, you know if, is it one party or the other party and if you get information from both candidates is it is it skewed? Uh, does it is it just the facts? is it cut and dry? Um, I don't know that that presents some problems but but I think the fundamental question you're asking about you know should you be knowledgeable or not? I think that's an important question yeah, if- and 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 I think you know I'm tempted to say, yeah, maybe there should be some sort of test. You know, in the past when we instituted literacy tests or whatever, they were, you know, they were prone to corruption, and pe- we could bar people from bo- voting, you know, based on race or something. But if we apply the same standard to everyone and just say, well, everyone has to have knowledge, yeah,
1: you know, maybe it's something we could revisit. I mean, I, it's just if I'm asking you to weigh in, essentially a vote is weighing in on your your opinion on policy. I think we should move in this direction, and the other, you know, that's what the parties represent, right. and so. Yes, in order to weigh in, common sense dictates that you must uh, know what you're weighing in on. <laughs> just of course, right? And so, and and that's why even though even though the people who already know the candidates in this hour-long course or whatever, we would agree. I'm just trying to figure out something to say mm. to ensure that at the bare minimum, you are, you have this amount of awareness, and you don't get to opt out just because. You campaigned for one of the teams, or you don't get to opt out just because you donated uh, half a million dollars or whatever. Like you just got to do the course, like it's what you do, and you got to pass that test. Right. Um, and the test is essential is not in any way like like it would very it would very much work hard to be devoid of judgment. That like you they actually hmm. would take some submissions from the the campaigns. Right. Here's our belief system. Here's our policy, and and then perhaps that's how it would be like, you know, they get, they get their fifth, every party gets 15 minutes to sort of lay out what they're doing. Or I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just saying like, there you go. Like, I mean the, the one again, like my concern with something like that is
0: just that you're going to end up with two, you know, two commercials. You're going to get two 15 minute commercials. And another thing is, is it okay for, you know, in one candidates, uh, ad or test or whatever to talk about their how their opponent is bad you know are you just gonna get smears or are you do they have to be stuck right. do that are they only talking about their own positions or what like I kind of I, I'm i not sure it's even possible to do only a here are my stances when you know the, the the temptation is always so strong to say oh my stance is not to do this I will not raise your taxes that kind of thing it's it's even though you're saying something true and factual you're you're taking a jab at your opponent in a way is that okay here's where it
1: would get complicated so let's say you let's say we said we're not allowed to you're not allowed to smear the other candidate you're only allowed to talk about your position like let's okay. just say that was a rule and you get to pit you get your 15 minutes that we're going to approve as long as it follows these guidelines
0: right
1: the problem is their pitch is going to say something like let's let's say um, uh, a conservative would say like, we are going to give your, we're going to cut taxes and unlike, or, or we're not going to raise your taxes like some and, or, you know, you yeah. can really edge into criticism. Yeah, yeah. Like we believe in, instead of oppressing you by taxing you a ton, we're going to lower your taxes. So you've okay. created a smear while you go, what are you talking about? I'm just saying we cut taxes. So,
0: right. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing about the smearing. Um, you're not sure if it's a smear or a fact. Uh, and I guess, I mean, I guess in a way, a smear can be a fact. Um, and a lot of people, especially nowadays, view facts as smears. So, you know, how, how does that work? Um, you know, and another thing that popped into my head, too, is that, you know, this is almost like, kind of like the debates in a shorter form, uh, but they're mandatory. <laughs> like, imagine you have to go sit in a room and watch the debates and that's just, that's how it works. But I mean, I guess you could shorten it down to being like a 30 minute commercial or something. Maybe
1: that's okay. They each have 30 minute commercial if it's two parties, but I hate that it's only two parties by the way. Um, But.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, again, that's, you know, the thing about doing this is just, it's going to be freaking expensive, right? Oh yeah. Costly. (laughs) I mean, you've got a country of 300 million people and you're wanting to put them all in a classroom for an hour uh, and, and take a test. Someone's got to administer right. that. You're going to have pencils and paper. Or you're going to have screens. You know, you got technology issues with this test. How are you going to manage all of that stuff? You have um, a
1: clicker or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I mean, some kind of technology is going to have to take care of that. And someone's got to pay for that. And that someone is us, of course. Um, so Unless you've got a way to fix that. Snap your fingers in this new world and it's provided. I don't know if you've got that kind of ability. But you know, one thing that I'm thinking, too, is that there's going to be a lot of pushback here because um, th- this is what would be the modern argument is that, well, you know, not everyone has the ability to travel to a classroom. Yes. And, and, a, and every. Yeah. And, like it's a it's a disability sort of thing. Oh, I, you know, I'm hard of hearing your screen candidate speech thingamajig isn't loud enough. Like you're infringing and I think on my. Should.
1: I think that's the. Yeah. You're infringing on my rights because I can't hear this thing. We're putting it on this volume, and if you can't hear, no, no, you're right though. Like we have to make this to be to be clear of conscience. Like you have to, I think, make it like approachable for everyone, and that means are you giving them rides if they can't make it to the place, but they still want to? Like it's just it, it it gets well that
0: that that brings up an interesting question. Like in in your voting world, do you think voting should be mandatory?
1: Um. I mean like so in our in our current system it's not I I don't I don't think it should be and I also mm-hmm. my idea that I was just tossing out there the reason I there's a really big part of me that objects is every layer every every loophole or hurdle you put in front of voting seems we should really be careful like having to justify I don't know it can just be really like yeah. how many I don't want to make it complicated. I mean, we are already like voting the the most uh, the 2008 election I think had I heard this on NPR recently had like 62% and that was the highest ever turnout. Well. So, I and, mean, in in modern, modern, in modern elections. So, yeah. um that's not very high. That's kind of surprised me on the numbers, I guess. And so um any if you now are making people take an hour-long course yeah let's see what that ends yeah, up yeah that's so. that's gonna
0: drop it it's gonna drop that number <laughs> all right
1: yeah maybe for the best the people who care enough are the ones weighing in
0: right i mean i guess that it's kind of a supply and demand sort of thing right like if you uh if there's enough demand for things to change then you'll you'll go to the course and you'll do the time right. so to and speak so I, um where
1: yeah yeah and so I just, I guess I get disappointed in the fragility of our all our humans, like, collectively. Whenever you say something, it's like, here are the million pro- problems with that. Like, because all we're talking about at the end of the day is, like, a human going and taking an hour-long course. But then when you expand that by, like, what, 327 million or however big America is, like... It, it, it just becomes so difficult uh not just logistically but like yeah like what about people who can't hear or walk or whatever whatever and like what about intellectual disabilities at what point do they lose like how severe does it have to be to not have the right to vote and like i don't know lots of questions so well i mean is there
0: any is there any legitimate hurdle you talk about we should be really careful about putting hurdles in place but I mean, in, even in our modern times, there are hurdles to voting and everyone, not everyone, but, you know, most people, I guess, seem to be okay with it. Like, for example, age, like right now, the voting age is 18. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not 18, can't vote. Uh, like, is that the way, is that where the numbers should be? I tend to
1: think that's okay. I mean, it's arbitrary. It's, it's just super arbitrary in some ways. Um, I do now, think...
0: L- let me ask you this. If, if you have this knowledge course in place, is is a 15 year old who you know listens to this knowledge any less able than an 18 year old or a 40 year old uh, with the knowledge does that change things?
1: I guess that's the, the difficulty is that the younger you are the more you're just gonna probably mirror your parents or at least not have figured yourself out but that's such a philosophical statement figured yourself out like what's wrong with someone who's 16 who feels strongly one way it, is willing to go to take the course like what's wrong with allowing them to vote? I mean, it seems to me there's kids that are politically conscious and are passionate about it, and they are way more deserving of voting than, you know, someone who just says, wait, who are we voting for again? Who, who, what is my, who who do my people tell me to vote for? Okay, I'll go do that, you know? So, yeah. I actually don't mind the the juvenile vote as much I suppose. Like yeah, it might be misguided if it maybe, like I don't know how young though. How young do we get and how are they right for the anyway, go ahead. Well,
0: let me let me present a counterpoint to, you know, what you talk about, you know, you're for the juvenile vote. As devil's advocate, let me let me play this out. You know, when you're 18 or certainly when you're older, you have you, you've experienced what being an American is you know you've experienced taxation you've experienced you know representation you've experienced how the policymakers have created law and policy based on you know your votes a, the, the, the politicians that have gone into power you've been taxed you may have had a job you understand your participation as a citizen um, Pretty convincing point. And when you're, yeah, when you're a kid, when you're 15 or 16, all the policy that you've experienced is set by your parents. It's not set by policymakers in Washington. It's set by your parents, and that's all you know. So you have a limited experience. In a way, you are less of a citizen uh, than when you're older, because when you're older, you've actually participated in in citizenship and you know a lot of aspects that you know. When you're a kid, you don't even you don't even bother with. And I say this, you know, I've always been of the opinion that you don't have to be a member of a class or a group of people in order to understand the plight of that class or group of people. So even if you're a young kid, you can, you can understand what it's like to be, you know, a, an older American. So maybe if you have that knowledge... Mm-hmm. Um, you're still able. But, you know, at some point we have to set a line and say, okay, you, you got to be this old to vote. Otherwise, we'll have, you know, young kids trying to say they understand. And, you know, there's an argument to be made, I think, that maybe that line should be even higher than 18. I mean, think about it. Like, the, the way that education and experience have changed now, kids. Like a college degree is the new high school degree. Uh, You know, a high school diploma is almost worthless now, and you have to have a college degree to do uh, to do anything, or so they say. Um, You have kids staying on their parents' insurance uh, a lot longer. You have uh, kids living at home, or even young adults living at home until their mid twenties or even later. How long? How much longer does it take to get life experience now than? back in the day, you know, I, I think there's an argument to be made that maybe you should be even older than 18. What do you think about that? Or should it be like a sliding scale? If you're an experienced 16-year-old, should you be able to vote? And if you're an inexperienced 30-year-old, you should not?
1: Or? And it could change depending on culturally. If kids were moving out of the home at 16 and getting their real job at 16 and that sort of stuff, then we would be more inclined to say they should be voting at 16 because they're voting a policy that, it, you know, shapes who we are as as americans or as whatever country so so, so
0: would you say that it, um in your knowledge check and your knowledge test about the candidates and about policy and stuff would you also include in there some sort of background check or experience check or something so that if you're a 16 year old with a lot of life experience then
1: if they were emancipated legally or something like that yeah maybe then they'd they were be allowed to a real job
0: uh, then they could vote <laughs> like is that something you'd be okay
1: with i or, would yes anyone well so I think right now I would leave it at 18 because that's when they tend to – you're legally an adult. Like like As a society, we have to kind of come up with an age, and we've arrived at 18. And mm-hmm. so that's why I'm – with the assumption that 18 is a decent age to say they've become an adult, now they're legally an adult, then, then you are it, – it kind of serves all the purposes you were just alluding to. Like, okay, now they're working in the real world. They're doing all this stuff. I mean, that's not – perfect but i'm fine 18 just seems like a fine even in my my snap my fingers thing right now i'm kind of going to stick with 18 just for the sake of simplicity for a moment and say like okay yeah you got to be a certain age to vote i can't just let you be eight years old pass this test and do this (laughs) even 12 even an informed you know 15 year old they that's a real (laughs) it can be an interesting age right The sort of i know it all and i'm never going to change and these are my beliefs and that's how it is and it's like well you haven't experienced what you're voting on and so there's a need if you're going to weigh in you should have some skin in the game so to speak like like you're being affected by this and yeah they are but only sort of tangentially or through their parents or whatever so
0: all right so i'll ask um i mean age is one hurdle but there are other hurdles that we have, or I mean, I guess more specifically that we had in the past. You know, back in the 1800s, black people couldn't vote. You know, earlier women couldn't vote either. Is that something you would change, or
1: uh, on race, no, and not gender or any of that. I mean, on citizenry, like you should weigh in if you're a. It, 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 there's just common sense here, and I'm not trying to sound even political. I'm just it's just like I'm just... a voting body should be the like you have to say here who, who we are we are a body of people and so that body of people gets to vote like this is i'm talking very generally here like without being too political it's just like this is it this is like these are who these are who get to vote it's the people who are members of our society and like that there has to be some sort of official capacity like the, you could debate all day long about who like pathways to citizenry and making that simpler or whatever but i'm just talking about we well i mean couldn't the
0: argument be made that you know if you're talking about the body of Americans, uh, and you know, if you're part of this body, then you deserve the right to vote. Like going back to the age thing, like isn't a isn't a teenager a 15 year old or 16 year old? Aren't they part of the body? And by that logic, shouldn't they be allowed to vote?
1: Um, right, but again, they like their parents do get to vote because they're the ones sort of making the decisions for that household, and so if they could and should vote i suppose but the p- kids just haven't experienced the taxation or the policy or whatever so it just like i think you just won me over with your argument that like well they they aren't they yeah they're not operating in the system yet they're like being conditioned to operate in the system and and in, in some real ways they are right they're in the educational system blah 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 but but yeah,
0: yeah. i think um uh, you know i i think i think that's actually my real position i think i agree yeah, with that yeah A lot of times I'm doing devil's advocate, but I think I convinced myself with that one. Uh, (laughs) So you bring up something interesting. You you mentioned uh, kids being part of a household. I was thinking about this. You know, back in the day in the 1700s. You know, I mentioned the freeholders; they had to have property in order in order to vote. Uh, And I wonder if, in a way, they aren't the representatives of their household, Uh, like. You know, they have their wife and their kids, and you know their slaves back then, and everything. But they were the only ones that could vote. But in a way, they were the one they were lending the vote of their right, household. So what's the difference? <laughs> but- well, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think that, so. The, uh, an analogy might be in our modern day time. You know, uh, our we have in the Senate uh, the same number of representatives for every state, regardless of the state's size or population. So, in a way, um, the group of people that makes up a state is represented by a, a smaller set that's, you know, not proportional to the population. So could you potentially consider one family representative. Interesting. Able to vote. Um so, and most families tend to vote the same way anyway, not all, but most tend to vote the same way. So could you have one representative?
1: I'd like to know if that's how true that is. I tend to agree, but like, I'd like to know how true that is.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't look it up. So, you know, I guess I can't say with 100% certainty, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, for the most part, families tend to, to, to vote the same, you know, I guess at least until the kids move out. But um, so one thing that I was thinking here, but that brings up a, a question I had. In a way, doesn't a large family have more power than a small family, uh, since they have more voters, and um, so like they're disproportionately represented. It seems to
1: naturally bear itself out if you have a family of, you know, six people, and those six people get to vote when they turn eighteen, anyway. And if you have a family of two people, like only two get to, I don't know, like it seems nice and simple that like more people. If it's letting, but you're saying in these situations, just like one one collective vote of the household. Well, let's, so,
0: let, let's see if I can explain this a little bit better.
1: So I'm saying
0: that you know in our modern times, you might have a large family, a family of say eight people or yes. something, and they have more voting power than families with smaller number of people. So in a way, the power tends to larger families because they tend to vote more similarly, and so. You know, if we if we had a representative by family, well, why is
1: that disproportionate? I don't get. It sounds proportionate. They have more well, voters, so more. Well, it rights. is
0: disproportionate. But it's, it is disproportionate. There's the, you know, a family of eight has two times as many people as a family of four. I mean, it is a proportion. It's proportional, but I mean disproportionate. It, you know, they do have outsized these values. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they they do have outsized weights. So. Parents that have, you know, larger families, they actually have more voting power than parents that have smaller families. Yeah,
1: but that seems, you said disproportionate, and I don't mean to be too, uh, like, harp on semantics, but well, it is dis- it is it's disproportionate. proportional, though, is it? No,
0: proportional and proportionate are, I mean, they're different things. I mean, yet they are proportional because, you know, it's four and eight, but it's disproportionate because one's larger. Um, right. Right. And you know that's that's kind of what I'm trying to say is that there there is a power difference between. Those. It is a
1: proportion that seems to be just. There are eight humans.
0: Well, so let's try to put it. Let's put it in a modern context. I don't know if my point is getting across. So like, you know, there are real groups in America that have okay. fewer kids. So like, for example, feminists. Uh, you know, for career women. I mean, they don't necessarily want to have kids. And so, you know, a couple, a power couple or something may have one or no kids. Um, That's definitely a thing that exists. Meanwhile, there are religious communities like Christians, Catholics, or Jews, and they have large families. Um, You know, they'll have, you know, three, four, five, eight kids or something like that. So the argument could be made that those families with those sets of values and, and desired voting policies have more power than families with with fewer kids, um, and that's why
1: this. I'm just throwing this idea about the representation system yeah, out there. I mean, maybe, but it seems that seems fine to me. Like like if if you have a grou- if if a group of people collectively feels a way that this is the way they want to be governed, and they exercise their right that this sort of the idea of a democracy, uh, or at least a representative democracy, so they vote to say treat us this way. And so like if there are more of All them right. that feel that way they sh- should be proportionally. All right, um, fair enough. That's fine. That way. I, I I get I think I understand what you're saying about why that disproportionate, but I was I mean it seems like a substantive difference. It's not just that the numbers are out of whack. They're just justifiably they're proportionally not out of whack. They're proportionally un- uh, not equal because there are just more people that feel this way. And like I do I'm not angry or frustrated by a family instilling their values to their kids that then likely have those values growing up. It seems sort of and they may or may not, by the way. This happens a lot, right? You can see the well, I mean, I anyway. I agree with you a hundred percent. You
0: know, it's not like I'm. You're just trying to
1: convince me otherwise. I just couldn't get there.
0: <laughs> right. Well, so the the key component is that most families tend to vote the same way. So you know, you talk about it's just and every you know everyone votes the way they feel, but oh. you know in in a way in a way it's not an individual system if you're being influenced by by your parents. So that's that's the but, only point that I'm trying to make is that but maybe le- maybe there isn't. Uh, as much individuality. A cynic might say that people have lots of kids to influence policy. But have we
1: inadvertently made a case for per- perhaps the popular vote in, in that the downside is like, okay, heavily, are ten, the tendencies in voting, right? You get group think, so if a city is liberal and like the, an inner city is liberal and the outskirts of cities are more conservative or whatever, so you get groups of people and then groupthink happens and they vote a certain way. And that's what we're sort of saying with families on the mic- like microcosmic level. Like, so um, there does seem to be a problem. Well, like, what's the case against the popular vote? I'd like to hear, because like, to me, there's something simple and just, like, seems just. Like, the number of votes go in this direction. And it has to do with campaigning, right? And, and like, flyover state gets, no? Okay. No. Nah. Well,
0: so, I mean... I mean, kind of. In a way, it kind of does have to do with that, but it really gets us back to electoral college discussion, and you kind of you kind of brought us back around to that. Yeah, um, and I didn't really
1: mean to, but it seems I get I get what you're saying earlier about it. it all. It all, yeah.
0: Yeah, it all kind of comes comes together. Um, so let me see if I can if I can try to explain to you um, why uh, why pure popular vote, pure democracy isn't uh isn't the best system um and this is something that's been talked about lots of times and you, you've probably heard the phrase uh tyranny of the majority yeah uh, and, and that's what that's what it is it's that you know you could potentially end up with a system where 50.001 where percent of the population gets to make the rules for the entire population and that 49.999 percent of the population essentially has no say, because you know, when everyone raises their hand and says, you know, this is what I vote for, you know, one more person votes for, you know, the other laws, and everyone has to abide by them. And, you know, you might, you might say, oh, that's democracy, that's just, but, you know, if you have a system where continually, the majority gets to impose their will on the the minority, uh, without representation, that that's where it really becomes an issue is that, you know, if you're, if you're getting laws made that influence you and you don't have representation because the other side is always winning a dem- okay. democratic
1: vote, um, then that's the issue. That makes some degree of sense. I just, with our elections that alternate, and are you just saying that if a country gets to be right-leaning or left-leaning clearly, um, then we're just going to have that party dominate forever? Or is that the danger the, of that? Or? I mean, that, that that is a danger,
0: um, is that, you know, you could have you know, one side that just dominates the other. And that's a recipe for disaster. So imagine, imagine you know, you're in your classroom and you have to decide what books, you allow your students to decide what books they're going to read for the rest of the year. And you happen to, for whatever reason, have, um, you know, the football team in your class. So you have 10 football players in your class and then the rest of the class uh, are girls. Um, and, you know, when the vote comes up, for what you have you have 10 boys and 9 girls and when the vote comes up for what books to vote on the 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 football team always votes for you know like Dracula or you know some some more uh, action packed book and the girls vote for Jane Eyre yeah. or something and you say oh let's just, let's just take a vote democracy um and you know the 10 boys raise their hand for Dracula and you're just always reading Dracula and you're never going to get to Jane Eyre because you decided to go with democracy. I mean, it, it may be a good thing not to go with Jay and Air. That's not the argument I'm making, but I mean, the football players would probably be right in this instance, but the fact of the matter is they would get to cram down their desires on the entire classroom uh, simply because they have the majority vote. And and that does actually get into um, electoral college stuff. So are you do you actually remember how uh, how the electoral college works? Have you read about any of
1: that? Uh, not on the spot certainly <laughs> but but like be, even it's interesting because the electoral college when else does it come into play other than the presidential election and choosing one basically one of two candidates is this when it comes into play is this it yeah yeah
0: pretty much exactly um just for the president and and vice president it's a really weird kind of system um uh, the Basically, what it is is there are these um, set of electors who are appointed. I think it's by the state legislature. And um, you know, if if a, in an election a state the popular vote goes one way, say uh, you know a Republican wins a state, then the Republican electors get to cast their individual votes for who wins, and they can choose whether to vote for their candidate or not. Actually, they can choose to vote against their candidate.
1: And vote um, their conscience or whatever. Yeah, yeah
0: they, they could vote their conscience, so to speak. And it's actually, those are called faithless voters um, if they vote against their party nominee. And interestingly, one thing that I read is that uh, in 2016, 10 Ooh. voters, 10, 10 electoral voters actually uh, were faithless voters? Vote that, they didn't vote with their party. They're they're actually Democrats. And so that
1: were most of them. So. They went toward Trump. Went well. No, and
0: when, no, no, no. They didn't. They didn't vote for Trump. They voted for like Bernie Sanders. Oh, or,
1: back you know. in the okay. For but, the, but,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But the point is, they they didn't vote for their candidate. Um. Uh, but it's important to note, uh, at least thus far, no faithless voter, uh, no electoral, uh, no elector who voted against this party has shifted the outcome of any u.s election so far but but the possibility is there and i always thought that was a weird thing to have in the system uh there, there's this um there's this opportunity for you know these electors potentially to change the outcome of an election now some states have laws that say um you know you have to vote a certain way you can't vote against your ticket for the for the other candidate. Some states, um, you know, they don't have winner-takes-all, as they call it, like Maine. I think uh, if um, if a certain district is one, each district gets to vote with their party. So you could have Democratic and Republican electors both casting a vote in Maine. I think Nebraska really is the same that. way. But even with that, it's still kind of crazy, or it seems crazy anyway, that you could have these people that – you know the the small group of people could be the ones to turn things around hasn't happened so far but they could potentially turn things around in in a big way i, I kind of wonder what would happen there
1: i know it's a check one final checks and balance to see if the population has lost their mind is the idea or something like that yeah well yeah yeah exactly i mean Pretty
0: much in American government, if, if things sound weird or, or convoluted, then you can almost guarantee that it's a checks and balances sort of thing. Um, I mean, there are so many fail-safes in place to keep people from running away with power, which you know, which ultimately is a good thing. Um, and that's kind of why they say that you know, we're a country of gridlock, uh, but that gridlock keeps you know keeps it from becoming tyranny or keeps it from falling apart. So as frustrating as it can be to see things not get done... In many ways, not getting things done is the best thing for the country.
1: Um, yeah, that certainly doesn't make total sense. I don't know.
0: <laughs> it doesn't sound like it makes sense, but uh, you know, but it keeps you from devolving into you know chaos. Um, and so, you know, that's that's my personal opinion is that it's the like, the gridlock is a good thing, and you know, that's kind of part of what the country was. Uh, what they had in mind when they founded the country, mm-hmm. as well. But, but as far as the electoral college goes, um, the the key component is not that you just have these dudes casting votes willy nilly. Um, it's uh, it's it's the number of electors that each state has, and and that's where the representation thing comes in. And that's why it's not pure democracy because um, states uh, states with a, a big population. They have, um, you know, they have a lot of electors because of their population. But even small states with a tiny population still have, you know, a significant number of electoral votes. And that means that you don't have a situation where, you know, California and New York, which have very large populations and very uniform um, political leanings, uh, you know, they don't dominate the policy of the country. Um, and you have states in the middle of the country who who are very different culturally than states on the coast and you know it it's not right for the policy of you know some states that are very different to dictate the, the lives of people in in the other states that's kind of the idea that's the basic pitch behind the electoral college and the federal system, federalist system and um and the kind of representation that they have so it's a really interesting system and it seems convoluted, and it—I pro- mean—it seems like one of these things that's just kind of a hack job compromise that they threw in there. Uh, and I—I sh- wonder if there's a way that that you could have the best of both worlds. But I don't know. I think that might be something that's kind of beyond uh, beyond our abilities, at least beyond mine. As I'm uh, walking around outside,
1: uh, it's it's a headache when I start thinking about all of this, though. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree with you there. <laughs> Bless you um so uh why don't we move why don't we just move along from uh electoral college stuff to, to, to kind of the pro the the nitty-gritty individual process so like when i voted um i voted early and, and in person um and the process was uh it was pretty quick and easy but still interesting so the way it worked is i uh i went to like a local gym uh like community center and went they handed me this nice complimentary pen uh i had to go like uh, tell them who i was they pulled up pulled up my registration gave me a form i signed the form handed that form to someone else they gave me a ballot uh, yeah and then i took the ballot went to this little booth um filled in the circles next to the people i was voting for uh, and took the took the ballot, put it in a box,
1: an automated box, and got a sticker. The paper thing seems so antiquated. Like, come on, is there really not a secure way to to just click cl- clearly vote digitally?
0: Right. Well, I mean, it it's easy to try to imagine anyway some sort of vote.gov website where you can, you know, go vote or some sort of voting app that you can download and vote, but. I mean, there are a lot of security concerns with something like that. Even though it may be easier,
1: it's you know. and then why not do some sort of facial? We like most most computers have cameras, and if you don't have access to a computer with a camera, you can go to your library or whatever voting poll place, whatever. They can go do it in person. But why not? Like, say, I don't know. I could just be. I get there's a lot of issues with facial recognition and stuff too, and that could be eerie, I guess. And it might not be private. I guess there's all sorts of suspicious reasons, but I don't know.
0: Well the one the thing is that well when you think about it like w- we trust the internet with our banking data and you know our social data and all kinds of things why
1: can't we trust it for voting it seems obvious we rely on it for our livelihood and our finances and our everything but all of a sudden voting we can't do it just can't do it <laughs> like what <laughs> something weird about that
0: yeah there are three things that I can think of that three kind of areas that might that might kind of speak against doing some sort of very simple convenient online voting. The first one we've kind of alluded to which is security. Um, you know in the private sector, security is pretty good. like we trust like we said we trust our banks to handle online banking at least most people do. Uh, we trust you know online purchases and everything. But you know, that's the private sector, the public sector, and government. I mean, they lag behind in everything. I don't know that I would trust my uh, information to a government-secured website or app, um, and, and especially when it has to, to function for 300 million people. Like, I think there's a lot of risk in that, you know, and, and it obviously becomes a target for, uh, for bad actors, either domestic or foreign. Um, so it's a concern just from the system design standpoint, like it's, it's going to be hard for someone in a foreign country to hack, you know, the paper ballots in a ballot box. It just can't be done, but you know, it, it becomes possible for people outside our borders to, to mess with a, um, uh, a digital system. Uh, the, the other thing that I can think of, uh, that might kind of be bad, might speak against doing this sort of thing is the convenience like we spend a lot of time talking about how you know in the past there were arguments for you need to you need to have knowledge of your candidates you need to know what you're voting for and why and if if you simplify down the voting process into just an app you know you pull up an app you click a button real quick that takes that takes a lot of the effort out of it it, it yeah, in, in an right. odd They're, way you, you, it's it's good to have have to put in some effort to actually cast your vote. I, I know some people probably think that sounds crazy, but I, I think treating it as a super casual affair removes some of it, the gravity of your duty as a citizen. Um, maybe that's just me, um, but that's what that's what comes to mind there. And uh, the the third thing that I think of is, but. It may be more easy to influence people's votes. Like if you don't have to actually go to a public place, like a gym or your community center or whatever, you don't have to actually go to one of these places. You could be doing it in your home. Uh, you, I mean, you could be sitting at your table and say, "Oh yeah, I need to vote," and then whoever happens to be around you, friends or family members or whatever. They're right there influencing your vote, whether consciously and overtly or subconsciously, with peer pressure. Like you, you're being influenced. I mean, you could even imagine wild scenarios where someone is actually coercing you. And they say, "Pull out your, pull out your app, pull out your app, and vote for my candidate." Blah, and and it sounds ridiculous, but you know that's a possibility. But I, I worry more about the, you know, the group
1: coercion. Vote parties, and imagine that there'd be clearly there'd be vote parties. Like, I mean, not like like you actually throw a party and everyone agrees they're voting for whatever the party is for. And I don't like that. So you go and everyone watches you vote, possibly. And you just, like, it's a, you know, you could see that that's part of the vote party. So they, they put you on the screen. You get up, on, the music's blaring. You get up and it's, it's projected your screen and like i could just see that oh yeah the peer pressure would be crazy and it's just like i don't know i do think privacy is good because i don't think it's cowardly at the end of the day it's an interesting thought but like we need to be able to go vote how our conscience and not be fearful of you know sort of repercussions and so go be able to vote i think that's just important
0: yeah i mean back in the day like we were saying they they had the big parties and congregations of people shouting out their votes and you know, you have to imagine that there's a lot of peer pressure in that kind of situation. Uh, and, and I think whenever you have some big group conversation like that, the good thing is you're going to get some cross-pollination of ideas and discussion. Um, yes. And but, but that's with a reasonable-sized group. Now we have 300 million people. Right. That. that's what
1: social media has become. Three, everyone's having a conversation, and we don't. It hasn't been a great experiment so far. <laughs> no,
0: it's been terrible. It's terrible. People talk all over each other. No one, no one does their due diligence, looking up things or presenting facts. It's just emotional crap. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I
1: think that that would be a horrible idea. So we just. Yeah, so we just don't know what to do. <laughs> but we know that paper oh. ballots seem odd. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. I wonder if there's any,
0: I don't know. And, don't know. and all the trees, man. <laughs> yeah, poor trees dying, getting chopped down just for our ballots. A lot of people are writing in Kanye and stuff. So uh, just a total, total sacrifice. So it wasn't just trees at my place. They were handing out pens. Does it say I
1: voted on it?
0: Uh, No, it had like, it's like a web address. I think it was like my board of elections or something so okay. not even not even interesting uh, yeah so i got uh i got two two other things that i want to ask um kind of getting down to the to the wire here but what do you think about um so should should people be allowed to sell their vote uh first and then um the second one do you think that it would be acceptable to have some sort of poll tax you know you have to pay in order to
1: vote Uh, So my obvious knee jerk is no way, but let me think about why. I mean, it. You should not be able to sell your vote because, well, just because it's so ripe, like like. Yeah. I mean, it. I could just then people are going to buy elections, and that's a bad thing. Um, And then I mean that's enough for me. um, The idea of buying elections because people have their prices and at different points and i don't want the will of some i don't want us to be subject to the will of random people who may or may not have strong wills um so no no on the selling um what was the other one um
0: a poll tax having
1: having to pay a tax to vote yeah no i mean that just gets into i mean i'm would assu- like to think that five dollars or whatever it wouldn't break the bank for people but we're really introducing some I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I can't get behind that. I don't know. It just shouldn't. This should be not related to your ability to, to pay for it. And like, ugh. There's something gross about them making a bunch of money on it.
0: So, if, if it's not moral to tax at the polls because it's something that everyone should be able to do, why is it moral to tax food? I'm not sh- uh, <laughs> you know.
1: I guess I'm not sure that it is moral to tax food. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean. What does buying food have to do with the government? You know, why put a barrier? Why is
1: it moral for a government to say, I'm going to take a little bit of that? I mean, on some big grand way, they could say, we've created this system in which y'all came together. And so we're going to take a little piece of that. Like you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have, if it weren't our roads that you took to get here and if it weren't our blah, blah, blah. So we're going to take a little piece, but then tax the roads. Like, I don't know. That seems. But doesn't that same thing apply to voting? I guess so. That's why I don't actually. I have a hard time justifying it, <laughs> right? Particularly food or like life sustaining, you know, or like your job.
0: When people tax your income, job. yeah, it's like,
1: <laughs> yeah, this is an arrangement. Taking some of my, my livelihood, yeah, yeah. It's weird. You're taking it from me then, and then you're taking it when I go to buy things, and then you take it from me when I die. Right? Well, <laughs> I've I've never
0: understood the
1: uh the justification for
0: like an income tax uh it just seems bizarre to me that an arrangement between me and someone else you know an exchange of goods or services that why why is the government involved at all like why do we both have to take some of this money and transfer it to a third party that doesn't make any sense to me uh that just seems so bizarre i
1: thing it doesn't it just feels normal and we accept it but it's not necessarily the yeah, it doesn't make Moral sense. Moral or logical. <laughs> it's just
0: normal. Yeah, well, we become accustomed to some of these built-in things. And that's kind of why, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation. Like, We just become accustomed to the weirdness of voting. And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe taxation is something that should be re-examined. I mean, we're taxed in dozens and dozens of ways. And everyone's just like, eh, that's the way it is. But when you think about it, why is my business the government's business? That doesn't make any sense. But I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, but,
1: but it's worth thinking about that. Like yeah. yeah.
0: So, we kind of at the end here, uh, we've gone through a ton of this stuff. Um, I'm sure there's a ton more we could get to. I do have one one last one that kind of occurred to me um, because there's a lot of hoopla about voting deadlines and everything going on right now um should in your ideal voting world would you have voting
1: deadlines of course or would it be a due date I, just out of you have to <laughs> right <laughs> i mean there's got to be an election at the on a day and like that's unavoidable like time there has to be deadlines on every single thing we do at some in some way if you don't eat food at some point you die like there are consequences <laughs> like like I don't know what to say about that. Like I'm not saying it's perfect, and I get that there could be some. Oh, my vote wasn't counted or whatever. But I feel like I've been so bombarded as someone who's not particularly yeah. political. I've been very so annoying. bombarded with reminders that like okay,
0: just like, shut up.
1: I have. I I just don't have that much. Like okay, there has to be due dates and or or deadlines. Just has to be in any educational format it's like all right here's a paper and here's when it's going be, to be due or here's a test and this is when it's going to happen like even that like people could i mean can you imagine arguments i can't that's so uh timest or something like that <laughs> <laughs> Like your, your assumption that i'm able i'm able to get to you know meet your demands on in this time structure is unreasonable it's like well i don't like this is how the world exists like like it's all about like saying be I gotta meet you here at this time. Like we, in order to function, we're operating on the same like wavelength in time. <laughs> like we just have <laughs> to agree to stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't. That's sort of a rant, but like, jeez, yeah, no, no, I agree with to that. Be a, 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 I can't even like entertain the idea that like, no, you can vote in four years for for Obama or something. <laughs> like, like what? Like no, it just doesn't. It falls apart so quickly, logically.
0: Yeah, so I mean, if you if you know the deadline, then hit the deadline. Yep.
1: And there's always going to be issues right up at the barrier. By the way, there's always going to be issues of like, well, I voted like the day, the night of, and sent it in the last, and it didn't quite make it or something. It's like, well, okay, so- sorry, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, that's imperfect. That's imperfect, and that's why five minutes early can sometimes be five minutes late. You know, yeah. like you're supposed to show up with. If it matters to you enough, then then do it. Do it. And do mm-hmm. it with time yeah. to spare. Yeah. So. Well... That's a good way to end. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think that pretty much wraps things up. We uh, got a long one this time. Um, that's, that's
1: enough. Yep. do 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 It's <laughs> that's, over. Oh, that's it.
0: At the end. Alright, so that was it. Yeah, this is a post podcast message. You get two Bennett only messages here today, but uh, you know, hopefully that was acceptable. Maybe if you if I didn't tell you at the beginning, you wouldn't have known that I wasn't there doing it live. Uh, So you know, I think I did a decent job acting as myself. I uh, I don't want to do it again though. It was kind of a pain. Um, In in the couple of days that I was re-recording this, I think I tracked down the audio problem I was having. And it was a defective wire. Not my fault. It wasn't my fault. A defective wire. So I'm getting it replaced. Um, maybe I'll try a walkabout podcast again in the future. But I'm, uh, I'm kind of scared about it now. So we'll, we will find out. But if you made it all the way through that, thank you for listening. Um, and since Daniel's not here to roll his eyes and sigh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll mention again that Third Space Podcast, we have a YouTube channel. You can find the podcast all uploaded on YouTube if you prefer. Uh, and you can also contact us at mail.thirdspace at gmail.com. You know it's professional because it's a Gmail address. Uh, so if you have questions, comments, feedback, anything, feel free to reach out. Um, and that's it. For real. Dun, 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 dun.